0: Our scripture this morning uh, comes from Paul's letter to the Romans uh, chapter 8 verses 12 through 17. So then brothers and sisters, we are debtors not in the flesh to live according to the flesh. for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but by the Spirit you put but excuse me, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks Amen. be to God. Amen. So, buried deep within the traditional uh, Methodist uh, service of marriage is the idea that a marriage is supposed to be like the laboratory for Christian love and living. That you are supposed to learn something about the nature of God's love for the, for the amount of God's love you receive and experience in your marriage. That if all love is from God, that means that anytime we experience love, it is from God. Therefore, marriages are grounded, all marriages are grounded in God's love. And we're supposed to learn something about the life of faith in the midst of how we relate to our spouse. Now, this isn't actually a sermon on marriage. This is a sermon on God's love. But a uh, key point here, friends, today is my 12th wedding anniversary. So, yeah. Yeah, claps for me. Sydney's the one that had to put up with it. I'm the one who, like, is lucky here. Uh you should tell me congratulations. You should tell her condolences. Uh, she's been stuck with me for fifty for twelve. Well, we've been married for twelve years. We've been together for fifteen years. Um, it's been a long road for her. I've been coasting largely. Um, it's been great. Um, and so I, in in approaching this, you know, sermon on God's love and and and, and knowing that. You know, today is my wedding anniversary, and so certainly my marriage is, if it ever is on my mind, is on my mind today. This sermon could ultimately be entitled, Happy Anniversary, Hunting." Now I'm Going to Talk About Our Relationship on Stage. And she—and now she's walking out the door, uh, right on cue. Because <laughs> <laughs> <I, yeah. laughs> you see, we have this beautiful relationship, but I want to tell you about how Um, My marriage has taught me about the love of God and gives me a way that I can understand this scripture here in Romans about being a chosen child of God. Sidney and I have been together a long time, um, but the manner by which uh, we came together is, shall we say, a little complicated. When I arrived at the College of William Mary in 2005, I was in a long-term relationship uh, that almost immediately fell apart. Um, I was in Virginia, uh, the woman I was dating was in Oklahoma, uh, this was just not gonna work out, um, and immediately imploded. And so I went back home uh, for Christmas break, having had this like long-term relationship completely uh, blow up, kind of thinking, man, I I like that there's this uh, lady I've met, Um, she's a friend of a friend of mine, Uh, her name's Sydney, maybe I'd like to date her uh, when I get back, and so then I I get back uh, to campus uh, in January and I immediately started dating Sydney's roommate. It was great, it was one of my more brilliant moves, honestly. Um, I started dating a roommate, that was a real bad idea, but it's definitely a thing that I did. Um, and so that relationship also imploded for obvious reasons because I came to realize that no, I do not wish to be with this person that I'm dating. I wish to be with her roommate named Sydney. But now you see, I had a problem. Um, I had realized I definitely wanted to date Sydney, and. I had definitely messed up the most obvious way by which one could date Sydney, and so then the question before me was: wasn't what are my feelings? It isn't even maybe what were her feelings. It is: had I messed this up so badly that it did not matter? Um, was I had I you know kind of messed up my one shot um, at dating this lady now? Spoilers, right? I opened with "been together for a long time." It worked out, but I went through this whole whole summer of being out of the country and thinking a lot about this girl back home, and thinking that you know, man, everyone I talked to for the two months that I was in Spain heard about this girl back home, heard about how I dated a roommate, and me, my long, never-ending existential wondering of. Uh, is she going to want me, since I dated her roommate, how is this going to work out? And while I was in Spain that summer, I kept a blog. Uh, For those of you who are younger, it's kind of like a Facebook page, um, but fewer people see it. Um, I kept a blog about my experiences um, and blogs had comment systems like Facebook. Um, And so people would comment on my blog posts. And like, my mother would comment on my blog posts. My mom sometimes watches the service, hi mom. Uh, My mother would always comment on my uh, blog. And some members of my home church uh, would always comment on my blog. But only one of my acquaintances from college um, consistently commented on my blog. It was Sydney. It was her way of saying, no, you have not, or at least what this read to me, and I found out later was true. Um, remember, I overanalyzed this whole thing, was, no, you have not messed this up too badly. Um, yes, I still want to be with you, even though you did your best to mess this up real bad. Please, let's be clear. I was the knucklehead. I should not have dated a roommate. I knew I wanted to date Sydney in January. We didn't get together until July. I had a whole other relationship in the meantime. But she took me anyways. And we've been together ever since. And welcomed two children in the world and moved, I think it is, nine times um, in 15 years. Um, We've been, uh, we've traveled the world together. um, And, you know, I hope for many, many decades to come. But where this relates to our scripture, that this scripture at its core, is about God choosing us even though we're the knuckleheads. And where I see in my life the most obvious lived example of what it feels like, what it means to be the chosen knucklehead that is not mistreated because they're the chosen knucklehead, but in some ways still welcomed in and loved the same despite their knuckleheadedness. I see it in my marriage. That's where I learned it most clearly. I knew it on the page. I had read Romans 8 a dozen times, but where I know it in my life isn't just in when I think about God. I see it lived every day because I know I do not deserve um, the marriage that I have. I did my best efforts to mess it up, and yet I was chosen. I was forgiven, and I was able to move into a life that has been and continues to be wonderful because that's that is what this text is chapter 8 of Romans is Paul laying out the entire story of salvation if you want to read one piece of Christian theology I actually would not say don't don't just read John three sixteen. read Romans chapter eight. You want to know what being saved means and the power that it has read Romans chapter eight. It's only like 39 verses long. It's not long. I could read it now all of, to all of you and we would still get to lunch in time. or we still have our building meeting relatively on time? I promise. Because we are saved now. Yes, we are saved from something. Um, And it is our own knuckleheadedness. And that is verses 12 and 13. It's very much Paul reminding us, hey, you're safe from something. You're safe from yourself. Um, Hear those words again. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. No one has lived a perfect life. Everyone needs saving from something. The thing we need saving from is us. But that salvation is there. That salvation is in Christ. That salvation is what went up on the cross of Calvary and died for our sins. That God, out of God's love for us, said, yeah, have you lived by the flesh in your life? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, you have. I will save you from that. I will go through the pain. I will go through the suffering. I will go through all of that to save you from that and mean that you are a debtor, but you're a debtor to God. And all you need to do is live by the spirit and the things, the flesh, the things that were before can pass away. But it is actually more than just God looking at us and going, I guess you're not guilty anymore. It actually runs far deeper than simply expunging our crimes. It is actually God opening God's arms wide to us, as wide as possible, claiming us as God's very own adopted children. And that's the rest of today's scripture. That is verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our own spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Adoptions don't happen by accident. Adoptions are something where the parent actively chooses, I want this child. And so God has done for all of us and said, I want you to be a part of my family. I love you, and I want you to be my beloved child. God is the parent with arms wide open saying, come here, beloved child. Yes, have I had other children before you? Yes. Are you a Gentile? Therefore, you are adopted. Yeah, but that means you're chosen. That means you're welcomed in. That means you're loved so much that the creator of the universe looked down on creation and said, I want you to be a part of my family and actually to be a full member of my family because we are not just chosen and children. We are heirs. That means we too receive the inheritance. In ancient times, not all children, even in modern times, not all children make it into the inheritance, Right. Uh, Sometimes, for whatever reason, you do some things, or you weren't important enough, or you were uh, complicated in some way, and you got cut from the list. You you are a child, and you can come to Thanksgiving, uh, but when the stuff gets divided up, you ain't getting nothing. God could say that to us. We are not, rightly, God's children. Right, we, we we are Gentiles. We are not God's chosen people. Instead, uh, we are a people. Cho- we are people chosen by God, and God then chose not just to welcome us in, not just allow us in the family, but to make us full members of the family. We are in the will. We too receive the kingdom of God. It's a deep love that God has for us. Have we been knuckleheads in the past? Yes. Does God love us anyways? Yes. Loves us so much, God chose us. God adopted us. God saved us. And God made us full members of God's family. We should not imagine God as the stern parent up in the sky with the long white beard down to here and the long white hair as some sort of crinkly-eyed, stern old man. Instead, God is that parent, reaching out that hand to grab hold of us, arms flung wide to welcome us into an embrace, knowing full well who we are, and loving us. Anyways, because friends, fundamentally, we are God's children. And that is something that cannot be taken away from us, because it is something that God gave us. And so we can, when all else fails, when our accomplishments don't live up and our bank accounts don't live up and our lives on this earth don't live up and the other people in our lives don't live up and we're worried that we are left with nothing, we are not left with nothing because we are indeed children of God chosen by the Lord by a spirit of adoption. We need not be slaves to fear any longer. We can indeed be children of God. Chosen, beloved, welcomed fully into God's family. We are saved. We are saved from ourselves. We are saved from whatever knuckleheaded shenanigans. I like finding creative ways to swear in this service that doesn't get me letters written, but y'all know what I mean. Today's is knuckle-headed shenanigans. You fill in the blanks of what other words that could be, right? I just, I don't want the letters, right? I don't want to get flagged as explicit content on Facebook. It's just not what I'm here to do today. Uh, but you are shaved for whatever you have done in your life. Did you do those things? Yeah. Did God see them? Oh, Yeah and still got one on a cross and died for your sins and stands there, arms wide open, saying, yeah, you messed up. That's okay. I still love you. Because also fundamentally, we are God's chosen heirs. We are not just tolerated. We are not just uh, having our records expunged. No, we are God's chosen heirs. God chose us and made us full members of the family. There is not a two-tiered system in the kingdom of God. There is not us and then the bitter people. You cannot pay extra to enter the champagne room. Like that's not, there is no champagne room in heaven. We all are full members. We are all full heirs. We all get to be a part about what God is fully doing in this life, and in the next. We are God's chosen, full members of the family. And we can know that nothing can stop us from being children of God. Nothing can stop us from being children of God because it is God in God's self, That made us that way. I say that chapter eight of Romans is one of the most important and certainly is one that has meant the most to me. In some ways, it's because of what happens in verses 31 through 39, talking about the depth. Thank you for whoever did that. Thanks, Tim. I owe you, (laughs) buddy. That beeping will be the death of me. What happens in verses 31 through 39? laying out the depth and power of God's love for us. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us? Will he not with him also give us everything? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God. It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress, will persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Physicists try to rank the power of different forces in the universe, right? There's gravity is this powerful and whatever's happening inside an atom is this powerful and, you know, whatever. There are different forces, but they're wrong because the actual most powerful force in the universe is God's love for you. Because the only force in the universe that cannot be stopped by anything, not heights, not depths, not angels, not demons, not rulers, not anything, is God's love for you. The fundamental fabric of the universe isn't dark matter, it isn't protons, it isn't neutrons, and other the other six physics themes I can name off the top of my head. No, it is God's love. And God has chosen to turn and direct the most powerful force known in the universe at you. In the form of God's hand reaching out, the form of God's arms flung wide saying, you are my child. Nothing can change that. Nothing. that is how I know I can say that I am a child of God and that you are a child of God because God took us in. God chose us. God adopted us. God made us full members of our, of that family and nothing can shake that. Not a thing. Let us pray. Gracious, let God. We give you thanks. We give you thanks that we have your love in our lives. We give you thanks that we have you as our divine parent. Loving God, may we grab hold of that love. May we know what you have for us. May we know that our value is in how you see us. May we know that we are truly your children. That is an unshakable promise. Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Before we close this worship in song, we actually have an opportunity to be reminded about the power of God's love and the love that God has for us. Um, our uh, dear uh, sister Alexis um, had, uh, has a beautiful uh, baby boy uh, named Hunter. Um, and we have the opportunity this morning uh, to baptize Um, Hunter, um, and welcome him, Uh, he is already a part of the Grace Church family, uh, but welcome him in uh, to the family of God. And so, yeah. That's the first thing um, I ask you, Alexis, um, as his parent, uh, do you, uh, do you, yourself, renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you receive the Spirit of God to do mighty things, to be a part of God transforming the world? And do you commit to raise this young, beautiful, actually large, beautiful, uh, that is the strongest baby I have ever met. Uh, Clearly the Lord has blessed him. Do you promise to raise uh, this young man um, in the church, that he may come to know Christ in his own time? Um, and come to see eternal life, receive eternal life for himself. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we pray that you come in to this water of baptism. God, we know that even in creation you swept over the water, even as Moses stood there at the Red Sea, you parted the water, and even Christ came into the world through the water of a mother's womb. Loving God, take this water, fill it with your spirit, use it for your purpose, that we may know you in this moment, and that Hunter may come to know you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, buddy. You can do this. I promise. Hunter, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, work within you that having been born by water and the Spirit, you may walk in a way that leads to life eternal. what did you do to me members of grace church you see a baptism isn't just a promise made between god and an individual a baptism also involves us all and so i ask you as as christ's body the church Do you promise to be a part of this young man's life, that you may focus on your own faith life, that you may lead by example, that you may teach him and instruct him, that he may come to know Christ in his own time? If you will say, we do. Grace Church family, I give you the newest member of the family of God. Alexis and her family will be in the back. I'm at the end of the service, and so I invite you to come and congratulate them and celebrate this wonderful thing that is new life brought into the world, that is new life in Christ, that is that exact thing of God turning God's love, the most powerful force in the universe, towards that little now I invite you to stand as you're able. Close I invite you to grab the hands of the people around you. Let's yeah. form one united body in Christ, because in God's spirit, that is indeed what we are. Okay. you hold my hand here, sir? Okay, okay. yeah. Uh, the church just wanted to let you all know that we give knucklehead and Sydney, <laughs> But we didn't want to spell knucklehead, because that had a few other people. Sydney, could you please come forward? this represents just a little more than a cake because not only does it say uh, it says happy 12th anniversary Trey and Sydney Comstock and if you look around the outside there's a new building <laughs> so let's pray that it's awesome. <laughs> thank y'all so much <laughs> you'll be at the back of the church. <laughs> and now let us close the service in a blessing. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You are a child of God. We are children of God. That is an unshakable truth. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go oh, in peace.